Scott Dyer, welcome to Mormon Discussion Podcast. How are you this morning? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Good, good. I'm kind of operating this morning, kind of representing the conglomerate of Mormon Discussion Incorporated, the nonprofit that runs multiple podcasts, because we have just added you as a host under the umbrella, under the podcast name, Rami Umptum Ruminations. And mm-hmm. uh, this has intrigued me. This has been kind of interesting as you and I have gotten to know each other a little bit. You've sent me a little material. And I just thought you're doing a great job here on the front end. And uh, and you and I kind of kept the conversation going. And you decided to team up with Mormon Discussion, uh, uh, the umbrella, and uh, create a podcast under us. And we're excited. We just want to kind of talk about your journey today and and talk about what this podcast will look like, what, like, what people can expect uh, what kinds of ideas are ruminating in your head. <laughs> and uh, so let's start off with, uh, why don't you share a little bit about your background? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah. And uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about your faith journey. Okay. So I am, I was born and raised Mormon. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. I live near Portland, Oregon. Um, my journey's the same as most people, honestly, as, as you listen to a lot of the Mormon Stories podcast and as you discourse with people in this realm, We've all had so many similar experiences. And so mine boils down to about the same as everybody else's. You know, I had a great childhood, loved the church growing up, and then experienced some trauma later in my life and found that the church didn't work for me anymore. But I I didn't give up on it right away, if you will. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as that goes, I, I was active in the church the majority of my life. I'm in my 30s. So that's um, you know, as far as my intelligent life, it's about 20 years of comprehending the religion and, and obeying it as that, as that goes. Um, from there, I, I served a mission in Chile. That was back in 2008. Um, my old mission president is actually in the Quorum of the 70 now. Um, and, uh, let's see. How was your mission? You know, I, I will, I will discuss my mission in detail because I had, had some very hard to reconcile experiences, both on the extremely spiritual side and on the extremely negative side. Um, I I saw what at the time I recognized to be real miracles, and not just the kind that you would hear in general conference anymore, but uh, like legit miracles. And I I still don't know how to exactly reconcile those in my head. Um, I'll give one example uh, of something that happened. So when I was when I was in one area, I in South America, you baptize a lot of people, and so in this in this particular area, I had baptized. I think every week I had baptized at least one person, and it had been I don't know coming up on like three months in this area. And my last week there, I was baptizing this woman that I had been teaching the entire time that I was there. She was just so hard to actually convince to get baptized. So the, the time comes, we get to the chapel, we're getting everything ready a couple hours before, there's no power and the water is shut off. <laughs> and, you know, being a believer at the time, I'm like, okay, I can handle this. You know, I just need a little bit of Lord on my side. And uh, I I use it as a teaching experience for my, my companion that was with me at the time. Um, and we knelt down and we prayed and I just said, all right, all right, Heavenly Father, I can do one of these things, but I really need you to do the other one. It's like, I can get water. I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. If you could turn the lights on, I will do the water part. And as soon as we ended the prayer, the lights turned on in the chapel. 
And I was like, okay, I guess I got to figure this water part out. <laughs> and uh, what I ended up doing is I called the fire department and I was like, hey, look, we're running into, into a situation. Um, could you come and fill up the, the baptismal font for us real quick? And they were like, this isn't really what we do, but I mean, we don't have anything going, so sure. And then the fire department came up to the chapel and filled the baptismal font for us. <laughs> Wow. And so, yeah, just kind of crazy. But at the time, that was so, so spiritually fulfilling for me. But I, looking back at a lot of these experiences now, I, it, they're really hard to reconcile. On, on the one hand, it was, it was deeply impactful. And, and at the time, I knew where these things came from, but now I, I don't. And, and I exist in the space where I, I don't know the answers to a lot of questions. And that's okay. Yeah, you know, I, I like that. And I like that that comes into your background because I, I think that helps you in lots of ways recognize like, hey, from that that TBM, that orthodox perspective, like those folks have evidence for why they believe the way they do too. And so when you enter this place of being more nuanced, uh, whether in or out of the church, recognizing that that there are sincere experiences on that other side that give weight to that ground that they hold. I think it helps us all to be more respectful as the conversation is ensuing. I'm, I'm curious, when do things, when do things start to get tricky for you? When do they get messy? When do things get complicated yeah. in Mormonism? So for me, my deconstruction process was chronological, <laughs> if you will. I, I love history and I've always been just like a history enthusiast. I, I minored in it in school. I went to BYU, Idaho, and um, I've always been a nerd. I don't, I mean, I read a lot of fantasy books, but I read a lot of history books too. And I was studying Egyptian history um, for a time and listening to this podcast. I think it's called The Ancient World, but uh, the host is Scott Chesworth. So I was listening to The Ancient World podcast and he just kind of does an overview of, of all of the oldest civilizations. And I was reading some books about Egyptian history. And uh, in one of the books I was reading, the the author just kind of made an offhand comment, like the people that believe Moses existed, place him here. And I was like, believe Moses existed? What are you talking about? And that started me down this long rabbit hole of, of biblical historicity. And within a month or two, I no longer believed that anything in the Old Testament was history. But I still believe in the New Testament, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants. And my deconstruction proceeded forward in time from there. So the next was the New Testament, and then I held on to a belief in the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants for a long time. I, I, I existed in the space where I read the Old Testament more as as like allegory and like spiritual myth stories. And I found I found value in them. And I, I worshipped God. And I, I existed in a space where it didn't have to be real. But that place is hard to be in and be Mormon. I I really wasn't able to talk about any of my thoughts or any of, of the things that were on my mind, which made it difficult because I was the gospel doctrine teacher for a number of years, teaching Old Testament, teaching New Testament, while not believing that any of them were true, like accurate portrayals of history. So I, I danced around words, I skirted things as best I could. But uh, anytime I got close to, to really saying what I thought, I did push the I did push the idea with the story of Jonah because it's just so outrageous that you know how could how could you believe that that's literal anyway and I got backlash from it people didn't like the way I portrayed it and here I'm thinking like this is clearly a story that they created like much later 
anyway. Um. Yeah. Mormonism doesn't Mormonism in terms of the three hour block and how the leaders have, again, it's, it's fluid, but how they have uh, organized church to look and the way they've made the manuals in terms of what they teach, what kinds of questions are allowed it Mormons, because of all of that baggage, aren't very good at welcoming biblical criticism, are they? No, no, not at all. And I, I did my best to introduce it softly, but it's there's not a space for it. Yeah. And um, I wasn't released because I was teaching the bad stuff. I, I, I feel like I did a really good job about, about dancing around what I really thought, because after that, I got called into uh, a stake young men's position. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I must have been doing something right, at least as far as the church goes. Um, yeah. But it's it was it was a really hard time to both be deconstructing the biblical historicity and teaching it at the same time. Yeah, no, very much so. I, I remember reading those things too, and there was no place to really share them. And if you shared a little bit, people got excited because here's the guy sharing new things that nobody in the room knows. Yeah. So long as everything you share doesn't run counter to their mm-hmm. their sacred stories. Um, but as you point out, you get too far. And so you end up being the only guy in the room who kind of knows these things. There's no way to get them across. You keep reading and thinking and learning mm-hmm. and you've got no place to share it, which here we are often leads us to finding other outlets to have these conversations and to begin talking about uh, things that that matter to us that no one seems in our personal space to want to be listening to. Yeah, exactly, and that that is, is a great way to put it. So I I couldn't have these discussions with anybody in church, but I I quickly found that I could talk openly with a close friend that I had made, um, and he's he's important to my journey. He's one of my best friends that I met through church, and we're still close friends today. He was my home teacher at the time. And uh, I think he visited me once or twice on like official home teaching capacity. But he, um, I have played Dungeons and Dragons since I was a kid and I still play weekly um, as off as weekly as I can. We're taking a, a little break during the summer months. But uh, this guy plays, I invited him to play Dungeons and Dragons with me. And so we start playing regularly. And after one of our sessions, he pulls me aside because he had heard some of the things that I've been commenting and and maybe maybe the verbiage that I'd used to explain something in gospel doctrine. And he pulls me aside and he's like, he's like, dude, can we talk for a sec? And I was like, yeah, sure. And this this started these these gospel centered conversations after Dungeons and Dragons. And so we play Dungeons and Dragons for a couple hours. And then me and this everybody else would leave me and this guy. We would chat scriptures for hours after and sometimes like really late into the night and it was it was nice to be able to talk openly because he was sharing openly uh, where he was and he had actually he was telling me that he no longer believed at all and I was just fascinated that I could actually talk to someone <laughs> that wasn't going to judge me for how I thought and uh, it led to some really good conversation and what what and this eventually led to the whole thing crashing so here we are we're chatting in the uh, in his living room one late evening it's probably like one in the morning after everybody else had gone and we're just talking really late into the night and he he and I are chatting about biblical historicity at this time and we're talking about the flood and the tower of babel and all of these these stories and i had read i've read epic of gilgamesh and i've read you know some excerpts from enuma elish and so I was telling him and just kind of like how frustrated I was that I couldn't actually teach these things in, in um, gospel doctrine. And he was like, you know, those stories are mentioned in the book of Mormon. Right. And like, 
I, until he asked me that question, I had, it just had never made the connection that these same stories were treated as history in the Book of Mormon. And it just like, like, you know, the light switch moment where the minute he asked me that, I no longer believed. It was like one second to the next. Yeah. Tower the of crashed. Tower of Babel, the uh, uh, the global flood, right? Those kinds of things get some get some press time in those pages, and yeah. it makes it that you have to kind of wrestle with the not only the absurdity of those stories and the almost certainty scientifically and in other all kinds of other facets that those things didn't happen. I remember reading a website on the global flood and it listed every single problem from a science perspective, yeah. from a logistics perspective, and it just became. Uh, within one quick read, it just became impossible mm-hmm. to hold it. And yet, not only not only is the Book of Mormon holding some of those stories, but the Book of Mormon also has a completely different people from long ago separating and bringing those stories to us, yeah. which also we have to wrestle with, right? <laughs> In and, and then there's submarines. <laughs> so it's it, so if somebody says something like, "Hey, it's just a myth story." And, and everybody, now you have to kind of go back in time and go like, oh, the, the Jaredites carried the story and these other people carried the story and the story gets to us in two different timelines. It it essentially becomes harder to believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then the other argument too, is that when it comes to the global flood, it's Jesus himself who's mentioning it uh, in, I think, third Nephi. So now, now you also have to bring Christ in and go like, Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh, Jesus is teaching a story that I no longer think even makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it just becomes untenable. I, I mean, I, I really tried to make it work. I was, I was dancing around this, this historicity aspect. And as soon as I saw that it was going to be that more complex to believe in Mormonism, I, I just, it, it was just so much easier to, to see it as what it really is. I mean, the thing that I had noticed while studying um, both Mesopotamian religion and even some of the Egyptian influences on the Old Testament. You can see these clear parallels of where the Canaanites got the ideas or inspiration for their stories. I mean, even, even just in the creation myths, I mean, they, they borrowed heavily from the cultures that came before them, which makes complete sense because they eventually, they migrated from Mesopotamia to Canaan. And so, of course, they're going to pull in the same pantheon of gods, just with slightly different names. They're, of course, they're going to have the same flood story. Of course, they're going to have all of these same ideas right there in scripture, because their ancestors taught those same stories. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how this all unfolds with you in this new podcast, as you begin to jump into some of these stories. And, and I think we'll get into this in a moment that your approach will be uh, super kind and friendly to the believer, um, but but with a you know goal in mind to say like let's look at what the data says on these things. Let's talk about uh, some of the critiques that are out there. Let's talk about what issues run up against this stuff. And so let's uh, let's maybe get into at what moment do you think like hey I'm maybe I'll maybe I'll grab a microphone and a headset and maybe I'll start talking about things out loud and and recording some of this stuff. Yeah. So um, I guess the motive for this comes down to one of the, one of my favorite um, currently alive authors is Cormac McCarthy. And there's a phrase that he uses in, in both The Road and No Country for Old Men that he says, he talks about carrying the fire. And in The Road, it's specifically the man is telling his son, you know, when I'm gone, you have to carry the fire. And for me, this is, the, the whole motive for it is 
is it's my turn to carry the fire. It's my turn to, to, to share with the world the inspiration that I've received from you, Bill, from RFM, from all of these other these other podcasts and and people that have that have inspired and helped me. I I feel like I feel this intense drive to be that person for other people. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And and I think that you know when I stopped doing much of the content that I was producing inside Mormon discussion, and and if I'm honest the fact that I kind of moved into a space where I could no longer frame things, giving just as much balance to kind of the faithful side as I did the critical side. And, and I really wanted, I, I just, I just couldn't hold that space in a healthy way. And so I had to move on to some other place. And I've always wanted for someone to pick up some of that, that space behind me where I was. And it, and it, I don't mean that in any negative way. I just think yeah. that there is room for podcasts that come in and try to be balanced in the perception to the the believer, at least more so. Mm-hmm. And and while I think you're going to tackle issues, honestly, uh, I already gather that from you, that you're going to be true to the data. You're going to say, hey, like when this doesn't add up, it doesn't add up. Let's be honest about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I do see also this articulation that makes space or uh, acknowledges kind of the belief behind us and what goes into that. And so I'm really excited about this. Tell, tell us about um, not only wanting to do a podcast, but why you chose the name Ramiumptum Ruminations, which I think is really catchy. <laughs> yeah. And and then also tell us maybe kind of what, what, what can we expect? Like I know a few episodes have been mm-hmm. published. I would encourage folks to go out and listen to those. Maybe tell us a little bit about those and mm-hmm. some of the things that are coming down the pipe. Yeah, so um, it's going to be called Ramiantum Ruminations. I I really hung on to the word ruminations because that's that's what I do. I when I read a book, when I watch a movie, or whatever art or literature it is, I ruminate over it. I stew over it. My my wife gets upset with me when we're watching a show together because I can't binge watch. I have to sit and think about the episode before I can watch the next one. And I've always been that way. I just need to sit, think, analyze, understand exactly what's being said so that I can be ready for the next bit of, of information. Same thing, you know, I'm reading a, a book, I'll finish a chapter, I'll stop, I'll think, oh, oh wow, okay, this happened, that happened, this happened. And I'll try and understand exactly what the author, the author, director, whatever it is, is trying to tell the audience. And and I just, I just ruminate. I sit there, I think. And so that, that really is just like that word describes the way I process information. And uh, ramiumptum, I just think goes real well with, <laughs> it's, it's got that alliteration, you know, ramiumptum ruminate. Yeah. Um, and I like too, this idea, you know, the ramiumptum in the Book of Mormon is this yeah. place where the person can stand up and essentially has the floor to say what they want to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you, when you run a podcast, when you're the host of a podcast, you, you get the chance for your voice to be heard and, and it gets to, it gets to be you kind of putting forth an idea and, and data around it and giving the rest of us a chance to, to think about or ruminate on, on the things you're sharing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So and, love it. Yeah. And so um, for the second part of your question, the content that you'll expect. So the, I've got three episodes out right now. These ones are focusing a little bit more on philosophy and then critical analysis. Um, the first episode, so it was the the thought experiment, the ship of Theseus, and how that relates to religion and thought. And I I kind of dissect what an organization really is. And a lot of the times, people that leave the church they criticize the church because it changes. And 
And I don't think that's a, a real valid criticism, especially to an organization, because everything changes. So why wouldn't religion also change? And when you look at history, when you look at the history of any religion, of any culture, of any society, change is consistent. I mean, every culture adapts with every new generation, with every new technology, with every new idea, they're changing and, and constantly adapting. And so to, to assume that religion would be different than that is, is kind of taking it out of context of the rest of the world. And so I, I don't think that the change, at least this is just my opinion, um, I don't think that change is necessarily the right criticism for for religion. And so I, I put it into context of, of the ship of Theseus, which is the thought experiment of as the ship ages and all of the boards of the ship have to be replaced, at what point does it become a new entity? <clears throat> entity? Um, and I, I stand that, that it doesn't ever become a new entity. And the, the way I relate it is with a river, is, is whenever, every time you look at a river, you're never seeing the same river twice. You're never seeing the exact same molecules of water twice, but we give it the same name. I drive across the Columbia River here every day for work, but I've never seen the same water in it. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point because on one hand, Mormonism claims to be a religion that's led by revelation. Hence, even for those of us on the other side who have um, lost belief in it and walked away, we need to grant that Mormonism always said it had the ability to shift and change and to mm -hmm. adjust, right? And, and there's some recognition that people like me on the post-Mormon side who are really kind of almost to the point where we've thrown out the baby with the bathwater, um, <laughs> we want it to change. We're demanding it change. We're, we're of course. doing marches asking it to change. And then when we change, we go, ha, 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 look, it changed. It See, yeah, look at look at did that and, <laughs> instead of and celebrating so, it for making a, right. a good move. Yeah, it can't do it can't do anything right. Yeah. If it does the right thing, we go look. It did the right thing, but look why and look mm -hmm. what it look what it used to do and and we're always ready to pounce on it regardless of whether it stands still or whether it's moving. And and so I, I love that you're making space to acknowledge like, hey, change isn't bad, and this thing always said it would change. Let's look mm -hmm. at it beyond that concept and let's look at what's actually changing and let's talk about the substance of what's going on of course but as, yeah. as i as i discourse with with believing members of the church you know family members and what have you the the next real big change that the church needs to make is more acceptance of the lgbtq plus community and yeah. anytime i talk to them i'm like you guys know that the church already did something just as monumental when they gave black members of the church the priesthood like, how is this any different than that? And so it, we just need to create a space where where they can make these changes because they need to. They have to if they want to continue to be relevant in the world today. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit. You know, I was talking for a moment kind of about your motives, but you tell us what your motives are. What When people listen to Rami Umptum Ruminations, what what can they sense is going on in, uh, in Scott Dyer's head? Yeah, the, well, a lot of ruminations. Um, I, I try and exist in a space where I'm going to give space for both a believer and a non-believer. I, I don't want to be the podcast that you go to to get all of the facts, to get all of the information. I don't want to be the space where, for example, RFM, he does an excellent job of breaking down point by point, digging into the historicity and just clearly stating out exactly how it happened. I want to create a space where you've listened to RFM, you know the facts, you know all of the, the sticky history, all of the hard truths. What do you do with them? And I want to create a space where you can 
come to my podcast. You can think about all of the hard aspects of church history, uh, of even just belief in God. I've got an episode coming out next week where it's it's how do you reconcile the the fat the uh, almost the the permanence of deity with the fact that the religion changes, and then what would be the source of morality if religion changes? It's the Euthyphro. Um, dialogue with Socrates that we're, that I want to dig into. And yeah, so, if God is if God is ever if God is consistent, eternal, never changing, and prophets have access to Him. Why does a religion that has access to the consistent, eternal God constantly moving, shifting, adjusting? Exactly. And love so, it. It, yeah, it's it's an interesting dilemma that that I love thinking about stuff like because a lot of times there's not Me a good too, brother. <laughs> it's, yeah, so it's, you get this dilemma. It's you know, what is the source of morality? Is is morality bigger than God, or is God bigger than morality? And then, what implications do each of those aspects have? And and a lot of the times, the answer there's no clear answer. And if you lean one way or the other, there's problems with your thought on both ends of the spectrum. And so it's I just love presenting these these paradoxes and these these mind problems for people to come and sit down and think about. Because when you're going to church, you're you're going through your everyday life, you know, you're sitting there in sacrament listening to the talks and the speakers or, you know, just listening to to a podcast about religion after you've deconstructed. You don't give yourself space to actually reconcile these problems or or come to a a healthy balance of of kind of the the awkward middle ground that you almost have to take if you break everything down because the whole reason that we all got baptized is because we felt something or if we were baptized as kids the whole reason we stayed and got married in the temple is because at one point in time we believed it was true and and those those revelations came from something was it just in our heads because that could be it was it from some outside source it could be that too I'm not here to give anyone the answers. I just want to present questions, present present the dialogue for them to think about and have the questions for them to ruminate themselves. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, you, you've got a little thing here in the outline where you want to talk about methods for a moment. Maybe yes. maybe tell us kind of what what is the way in which you're arriving at the ideas at which you're sharing with the audience. So I, I love art and literature and movies. I have always been just an avid reader. And, and I, whenever I taught gospel doctrine or taught lessons in church, I always incorporated whatever book I was reading at the time into what I taught and used quotes from real stories about life. And, and through those, through this medium of understanding art and literature and philosophy to understand our place in the world. And so my methods are going to be taking those things, taking art and stories and and looking at what messages we can learn from them to be better people and to understand maybe what's going on inside of our head a little bit better. I, I've been drafting an outline about, um, about emotional bypassing and how the story The Sun Also Rises can teach us a little bit about emotional bypassing. That's an Ernest Hemingway story. Um, and the end of the book is just so beautifully tragic and and realistic, where a lot of the other characters are, are, are trying to emotionally bypass all of the trauma that the main character is going through. And then his response to it is just, it's just beautiful. 
And, and I think we can learn so much about the world around us and our position in it based on literature, based on art and, and philosophy. And if we, if we stop and take the time to think about even, you know, the, the movies and stories that we're watching on a regular basis that, that may not be intended to be, you know, analyzed so thoroughly, oftentimes they have great meaning and value that we can incorporate into our own lives to understand this crazy world that we live in. And so that's, that's kind of my method for, for breaking everything down. <clears throat> I love it. I'm going to have to tune in uh, for lots of good reasons, but one of them is to catch up on good literature so that I can uh, be in the same space as Radio Free Mormon and know half the references he's making. <laughs> you know, I, I can't um, I can't say that I catch every reference he says, but uh, I do I do understand a few of them. You're oh. catching more than I am, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, well, I love it. I love it. And I love that you're bringing other, other stories in because I, one of the things that was deeply helpful to me as I was in the middle of a faith transition and trying to think about all of this stuff was to begin to open myself up to other stories, other wisdom traditions, other, other philosophies, other ways in which people see the world. And once I got exposed to the world at large and stopped seeing solely through that that lens of just Mormonism, I felt much safer. Mm. I felt much more empowered to be able to look at Mormonism and all the other things in my life, including my own mechanisms and behavior and in, in just life yeah. and be begin to be able to kind of tackle those in more healthy ways. So I'm really appreciative that you're going to bring in uh, other outside material as it relates to various topics. Uh, talking about topics, what are what are some of the things we can kind of expect this podcast to, to cover? So I want to, I will occasionally do like a critical analysis of like a truth claim. I want to go through all of the articles of faith and look at them as like a hypothesis, if you will, if they can be understood as like a, like a claim because um, not all of them can you know that we believe in god the eternal father you we can't verify if that's true or not we can't there's no there's no process where you could go through and say you know oh this is true or this isn't true but for example the the episode one of the episodes that i came out with this last weekend was harmonizing the prophets where i i take a deep dive into article of faith nine and break down if if it's something verifiable that we can see if the prophets reveal the word of god to his people and kind of look at them as if as if it's you know these truth claims should be something that that are testable for us to see if they're true or not. And so I'll, I'll dig deep into those as much as I can. Um, I plan on going through all of the articles of faith at at some point in time. I also want to go through all of the um, gospel topics essays, not not to try and like break them down and you know, tear everything down that they're saying, but I want to look and see what good things are they saying and what what things might they need to improve on or what things are just completely outright wrong and what things are pointing in a, in a good direction. I want to be as fair as I can with a lot of this stuff. I want to, as I said, I want to create a space where, where this podcast, you might be able to share it with a believing friend who might know some of the issues and they might get a different perspective on things or be able to discuss it in, in a healthy way where I'm not going to tell them, Hey, you have to disbelieve because X, Y, and Z. Um, a lot of the times I will recommend, even though I don't believe, I will recommend a way to, to make it work, to, to see it in maybe a, a positive or a spiritual light. And so I plan on going through articles of faith, the gospel topics essays. I want to, um, I want to dialogue about some of the experiences that I've had and, and just analyze things through a philosophical lens, you know, 
quoting some of the great thinkers in our world and and what insights they can give us to both understand scripture, understand morality, and just create create a safe space where both believers and non-believers can can learn together. There you have it, listeners. Scott Dyer, new host on uh, Under the Umbrella of Mormon Discussion uh, podcast and under the podcast name of Rami Umptum Ruminations. Scott, any any last thoughts, any last words, anything else you want to add? Otherwise, uh, people, just time to go check it out. The episode one, uh, The Good Ship Zion, and episode number two on covenants in the impermeance of things. Episode number three, Harmonizing the Prophets. Those three are already published. And uh, you should be able to, within the next few days, uh, find this podcast in various third-party app uh, podcast apps, uh, as well as just on the website itself, ramiumptumruminations.org. Uh, any other thoughts from you, Scott? The last thing I want to say is I am not afraid to be wrong. If I say something wrong, if I maybe interpret something wrong, and, and a listener wants to reach out and say, hey, you, know, you might have interpreted this the wrong way. I can make corrections. The only way that we can learn is if someone tells us that we've made a mistake, especially with our thinking or, you know, with history, whatever it is. And so, so I'm not, I'm not afraid to post an episode, you know, a, a year from now that says, Hey, you remember right when I talked about harmonizing the prophets, my logic was so bad here. Let me, I'm just going to read you the whole thing. And this is a better version. So I, I want to create a space where I can be mistaken. Awesome. Awesome. So folks, if you're, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, any kind of feedback, send back in. That's how we all get better at things anyway. And, and that kind of openness to self-correction, uh, that's an important part of this side of things and, and being on the journey. So uh, Scott Dyer, Rami Umptum Ruminations. You can find it at ramiumptumruminations.org. Uh, check out the podcast. Hope everybody loves it, but send us feedback and, and let us know how it's going. Uh, Scott, I'm just excited to have you aboard. The material that I've listened to thus far, you've got a great voice. You do a great job at putting thoughts together. Uh, you don't seem to be extremely nervous, which is really hard for folks who kind of jump into this space. You seem really comfortable. And you, again, as you pointed out, you've read a lot, thought a lot. Uh, and so the things you put across seem extremely thoughtful. And I just really appreciate the chance to work with you. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, Bill. And again, thank you so much for, for bringing me into the family. Perfect. Love it, folks. Check it out. Rami Umptum Ruminations. Scott Dyer, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.